All right, quick review of what we covered last week at the beginning of this series. We all have a tendency when we realize that we're facing temptation uh, to think that temptation is just about that moment, that date, this deal, a single compromise. What we actually know is true and what we discovered and talked about last week is the idea that every time we're tempted, there is more at stake than we think. Every time we're tempted, every time you're tempted, and every time I'm tempted, there is more at stake than we think. That every time we're tempted, our future, our family, and our and, and, and our faith are on the line. And so last week, we began to grow in our ability to resist temptation. We began to grow our resistance by saying to temptation, temptation, you will not steal my future, you will not steal my family, and you will not steal my faith. Now, Moving into that, the new content, it's that last statement that gives us a little bit of a pause, right? Because I think most of us tend to think that temptation is primarily about our self-control. It's about our self-control, right? Do I have the self-control to not put into my body the stuff that I kind of want to put into my body? Do I have the self-control to not scream at my kids or, or my spouse and damage the relationship? Um, do I have the self-control to tell the truth to a client when a small lie would make life for me so much easier? easier. See, we think that temptation is a test of our self-control, but here's the driving thought uh, and the bottom line for today. Temptation is always a test of our faith, not just our self-control. Temptation is always a test of our faith, not just our self-control. See, every time you're tempted and every time I'm tempted, our confidence that God can and will and wants to come through for us is at stake every single time. It is never just self-control. See, when you're tempted to put something in your body so that you can feel the way that you want to feel, the real question is, can you trust God to bring you joy without some other substance that you have no business dealing with? Um, when you want to scream at your kids, can you trust God's way to provide peace in your family relationships? Or do you need to yell and, and, and scream and get big to provide a moment of peace? When a, when a small lie seems easier with a client, can you trust that God, that if you tell the truth, if you tell the truth, he will come through for you? Or do you need to take matters into your own Hands. See, let's be honest, for many of us, we grew up believing in God as kind of a category, as a category where, where we like God and we like to think that God wants good things for us, but we don't think that he particularly, he's particularly interested in, in how we get to the things that he wants for us. And if you grew up thinking of God like that or being taught that God was like that, chances are good that when it comes to the things of life that you want or you think or you think are worth pursuing, you tend to think, well, if I don't it won't happen. If I don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. If I don't make something happen, nothing's going to happen. God helps those who help themselves. And so it doesn't really matter how I get there. I know that's something that I want. I know that's something that maybe even God wants, but God doesn't really care how I get there. So I'm just going to get there, whatever it takes. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And then some of us, and then some of us, if, if, you were, if you were raised like me, or maybe if, you came, if you've come to believe this at some point, some of us were raised to believe, or we've come to know that God really cares about the details of life, that God cares about what happens, and he cares about how we get there. He, care, he cares about how we get things done. He cares about where you end up and how you get there. So with every temptation that you face, the question that really comes to play is, should I do what I think needs to be done in order to make things happen, even if it means bending the rules, breaking the rules, bending my conscience, sidestepping my own moral boundaries, or can I step back and trust that God's ways really are best and will bring my best. Here's our real question. Do I believe God is big enough to deal with my greatest need and caring enough to meet my seemingly insignificant 
need? Do I believe that God is big enough to deal with my biggest need and to meet my biggest need and, to, and caring enough to deal with and meet my seemingly insignificant needs? See, that's our real question. That's our real question in the face of temptation. How big is God and how caring is God? Is he big enough to provide? Is he strong enough to help me face this? And does he actually care about the stuff that doesn't really seem to matter to, to, to anyone else, but it matters to me and to my heart and to my mind and to my family? Does he care enough to meet my needs. See, I have legitimate needs and you have legitimate needs. And the question is, can we trust God to provide them? And can we trust that his ways will lead to what's best for us and to, to legitimate ways to meet our needs? See, to find out the answer to that question, at least Jesus's answer to that question, we're going to go back to, return back to the example that Jesus set for us when he was tempted in the wilderness by the devil himself. Again, the value that we find here is not in the specific temptation of Jesus because you won't be tempted in the exact same way that Jesus was tempted, but we're going to find out that uh, that we're going to find out as we look to the underlying core temptation that we face the similar temptation every single time that we're tempted. Matthew chapter 4, we find out this. It says this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and for 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came, and that's where we left off last week, and we said we're going to jump in right there. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I'm, I'm going to pause here for a moment because we're talking about temptation to take matters into our own hands. But within this temptation and within all of the temptations that we see from, from the devil coming at Jesus, within this temptation, there's something that I see that I think we could maybe call a temptation within a temptation. See, what's the very first thing that the devil says to Jesus? He says, if, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God. Now, this is interesting because why is the devil even there? <laughs> the devil is there because he knows exactly who Jesus is. There's no doubt in his mind. There's no doubt in his, like the, like the devil doesn't just come to, you know, to random people, you know, to, doesn't, like I, I've never been tempted specifically by the devil, but Jesus was tempted by the devil because the devil himself knew who Jesus was and came specifically to try to sidetrack and derail the mission that Jesus was on. The devil knew exactly who Jesus was. There was no doubt in, in his mind mind. So this moment when he says, if you are the son of God, he's not actually questioning Jesus's identity. He's telling Jesus that Jesus needs to prove himself, that Jesus needs to prove it, that if you're the son of God right now, you need to prove it. You need to prove it, prove you belong, prove your strength, show that you're a real man. See what's in this temptation. Jesus is tempted to prove he is who he says he is in a way that would compromise who he is to prove himself to a person who doesn't care who he is. I mean, this, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is, a, this is a, a, a big part of where temptation comes from for so many of us. Jesus is tempted to prove he is who he says he is by doing something that would compromise who he is in order to prove himself to someone who does not care about him or have his best interest or God's plan for him in mind. And if that sounds familiar to some of you, this is something so many of us face at some point of our lives. Prove you belong in a situation by doing something that compromises who you are. It's like, that doesn't prove I am who I say. Like, but but, but that's, that's, that's where this comes from. Prove you are enough by meeting the, the expectations of someone who does not ultimately care about you. Prove you are who God says you are by doing something that compromises your faith in God. What? 
But, the, but the, you, prove you belong, prove you belong, prove you belong. Let me get really practical. Some of you, your greatest moments of temptation have come from thinking that you need to meet the approval of someone at work to prove who you are, like to compromise your, your faith in a way in, in order to prove yourself at work. Some of you, your greatest moments of temptation have all come while you were trying to meet the approval of your dad, to prove that you belong to your dad who is never going to give his approval for whatever reasons. They uh, were, you're never going to get his approval. But you've tried and tried and tried. And some of those moments turned into temptation and turned into maybe even sin in trying to get the approval of a father who would never give it. Some of you, you compromise trying to prove you belong in a relationship with someone that you have no business being in a relationship with in the first place. This is what happens. And if you ever find yourself there, if you ever find yourself there, let me just give you a thought that I think may just help you in those moments. You never need to prove you belong when you belong to God. You never need to prove you belong when you belong to God. You don't have to live up to anyone's approval when God has given you his. You don't have to behave for someone's affirmation when God has given you his. You don't have to act for the love from any for love from anyone when God has given unconditional love and made unconditional love available to you and for you. You do not you never need to prove you belong when you belong to God. And Jesus understood this truth. So instead of puffing out his chest and saying, oh, I'm the son of God, all right, and I'll just I'll probably just stones into bread. Yeah, I can do that all day. I can do all dirt all day. Like I can do all day. Like, I mean, Jesus doesn't get puffed up. Jesus doesn't feel the need to prove himself because he knows he belongs to God. Jesus doesn't need to prove he belongs to someone who doesn't care about him. Just doesn't need to prove he belongs to someone who would never give him affirmation. Just, Jesus doesn't need to prove himself to someone whose opinion of him doesn't ultimately matter. And so instead of puffing up and choosing to, that I, that, to, prove that, to prove that he belongs, he recognized that this was a moment that he, needed, he did not need to prove himself. And he wasn't a person he needed to prove himself to. This was ultimately about his trust in God, that God had called him to a time of fasting and in the face of hunger and exhaustion. Would he continue to trust that? And knowing that, and knowing that, Jesus responds like this. In verse four, Jesus told him, no, no. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Jesus' response is beautiful. It's beautiful. Jesus answers temptation with scripture, with scripture, goes to the word of God to resist temptation. And he reminds himself and reminds the devil that God can be trusted to provide. You're like, I, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear him say any of that. Well, you're right. Jesus didn't say any of that, but the line that Jesus said flashed back about 1,300 years in the history of the nation of Israel to a time in Israel's history in the Old Testament when God had shown himself to be strong, that man really did not live by bread alone, but lived on every word that God said. When the Israelites were traveling and wandering through the desert for 40 years, God continually provided food for them where there was no food that seemed possible to grow and where there wasn't a whole lot of animal wildlife to provide protein. God provided manna, which was a miraculous substance that, that, that they didn't know where it came from. They didn't understand it. They didn't know anything about it. And God provided quail so that they would have protein to eat. That God provided for 40 years, every single day as they needed. And in De Deuteronomy chapter eight, we have Exodus, which kind of tells us the history of what happened. And Deuteronomy is this sermon where Moses recorded for the people. We don't know, we think he you know, actually said it in front of the people, but Moses recorded this sermon so that the people, as they're about to go into the promised land, that they would remember what, they had seen of God, what they had experienced of God, what they had learned to be true of God, and would carry that knowledge 
forward as they, be, as they took and received the promise that God had given them in the land that they, were, that they were promised. And here's what Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 2. He says, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. Then it says this, he did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's that line that Jesus just clung to. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. See, Moses, Moses reminds the people, God has met your physical needs, but there is more to life than physical needs. God met your physical needs. God met your ridiculous physical needs. God met your impossible physical needs. It's impossible that for 40 years, God would provide daily, 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 daily for you, for you people as you, as, you, as you lived and wandered and walked in this wilderness, in this desert area. It was impossible that you would be able to eat and, and, and drink and be able to be sustained for 40 years through this kind of wilderness, but God provided your physical needs. God provided your physical needs, but he says there's more to life than your physical needs, and that's what we all know. And so Moses says God met your physical needs so that you would learn something. And here's what we understand. God met their physical, their impossible physical needs so they would know that God, that they could trust God to meet their every need. God met their impossible physical needs so they would know they could trust God to meet their every need their every need. This is how God taught them that they could trust him to meet their every need. And he goes on, so obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built the home, built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. This is where so many of us live life, isn't it? This is where so many of us live life, that things start going well and we misattribute things going well to us, that God blesses us and things begin to go well. And then we start to think, well, man, I'm so smart. I did so good. I made all of this happen. Look at me. Look wow, how wonderful I am. And now that things are going well, what we think is the very God who blessed us, we take him out of the equation because we think it's up to us to keep things going well, see, here's, here's what, what we knew, and, and here's what Moses ultimately understood, that pride is when you take something that came from God and claim the credit for yourself. Pride is when you take something that came from God in the first place and you claim the credit for yourself. Moses warned about this over 3,000 years ago. It's almost like he knew that you would struggle with it. It's almost like he had help from your creator to help you understand to help you know something about yourself and, and provide a warning against that, a warning against pride of thinking uh, that, well, I did this by myself, so I got to sustain it by myself. No, no, no. This came from God, and we trust God through 
the process. We tr- like This came from God. God will sustain it. This is a need that we have right now to keep this thing going. God will sustain us. That's what we need to understand. And then he closes off this way. He says, he did this all so that you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. He says, God did this so. And if we're wondering what's the so, it's like, so, so what? So what? God wants his people to know he is the legitimate source for meeting every legitimate need. God wants his people to know that he is the legitimate source for meeting their every legitimate need. Need, so that his people would never think, well, I did this for myself. I'm responsible to keep it going. I have to figure this out. And whatever it takes to keep this going, that's what it's going to take. If God helps those who help themselves, like, you know, I, I, got, I got to figure this out. I have a need and a desire. And whatever it takes for me to fulfill that need, that's what it takes. God wouldn't have given me this desire if I wasn't supposed to fill it, right? So, 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 so see, the hunger for the Israelites in the wilderness and the hunger for Jesus in the desert, these were legitimate needs. God wanted the Israelites in the wilderness to know that he was the legitimate source for them and for their physical need and for their every need. That sure, they could have gone to areas that weren't theirs and fought wars to get meat, but, he wouldn't, but God instead would provide a legitimate source for food. That sure, they could have wandered off of his path and find suitable plants, but he would provide for them on his path. And Jesus echoes that same sentiment 1,300 years later. He says, I know I have a legitimate need for food and for sustenance, but I also know that to use my miraculous power to end my hunger is an illegitimate use of my power when God has called me to trust in him and in his ways as my source. So I'm following him. I'm trusting in him as the legitimate source for my every need. So go back to Matthew and Jesus says, Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Satan, you know, thanks so much for pointing out that I'm hungry. Thank, thank, thank you so much for pointing that out. Also, I'm, I'm glad you're so concerned about me and, and my needs. Thank you so much for that. And, that. and that need is legitimate. My hunger is a legitimate need. But as hungry as I am, I realize this is about something bigger, about my trust in my heavenly Father. And my heavenly Father has already proven this before. When people trust him, he meets their needs. So I'm not about to stop trusting my heavenly father to meet my legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. I am going to trust that my heavenly father has a legitimate source for my very legitimate needs. So so here's the question for us today. Here's the question that I, I want us to ask today. What arena of life are you most tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? What, what arena of life are you most tempted to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way? Here's, here's the good news here. God created you with a whole bunch of legitimate needs. Like the things that we often think and desire and, and go, this is a need, this is a want, this is something that I feel like, like there's this hole inside of me when, when I don't have this. There's a ton of legitimate needs and God gave you those needs. That's, why the, that's what makes them legitimate. The fact that God created you with those needs is what makes them legitimate. That hunger is a legitimate need. Companionship is legitimate. Financial provision is a legitimate 
legitimate need. A romantic partner is a legitimate need. Is a legitimate desire. Physical and sexual intimacy are legitimate needs. Meaningful work is a legitimate desire. Rest is a legitimate need. Energy is a legitimate need. Progress is a legitimate desire. Fun and enjoyment of life are legitimate desires. Hope for the future is a legitimate desire. Love is a legitimate need. And when you're not experiencing what you need and desire, there's a gap. Anytime that you are not experiencing what you need and what you desire, there is a gap. There's a gap between what you need and what you experience. A gap between what you expect and what you experience. A gap between what you feel should be yours and what is actually currently yours. And this is where temptation comes in. Temptation is the urge to close the gap for yourself by yourself. Temptation is the urge to close the gap for yourself by yourself, to meet the need that God created in you without God or in a way that goes against God's plan for you, to assume that you must meet the need for yourself because you can't just sit around waiting for God to meet that need. Like this is what temptation is. Temptation is the urge to close the gap by yourself for yourself. Let me give you a couple examples of how this plays out. If you're a parent of a young kid, Rest is a legitimate need. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not in the room with you right now, but if you're a parent of a young kid, I know that some of you just shouted amen. You're like, yes, like, I, like absolutely. Like, rest is a legitimate need. Mentally checking out from your kids, though, is an illegitimate way to meet the legitimate need that you have for rest. See, I, 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 as a parent of, a young ki- of, of young kids, I get this. That sometimes it feels like, well, the only way to get the rest that I need is to kind of just let them be and check out. and like, oh, okay, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. Checking out mentally from your kids is not a legitimate way to, get, to meet the legitimate need that you have. You're like, no, 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 that's the only way that I have to close that gap. It's not. I don't know what exactly everything looks like in your situation, but I know that God has a way to meet your legitimate need for rest and for energy. Singles, romance, and a, and a romantic partner is a legitimate desire and a legitimate need. Your temptation, though, is to close the gap with someone who's close and convenient, but isn't a good match and isn't good for you. See, your temptation is to settle, but settling is meeting the legitimate need with a person who can't legitimately match you or meet your need. If you're, if you're an empty nester, see, like when I, when I talk to people whose kids are grown and gone, one thing I hear so often from people in that stage of life is feeling like their best days are behind them and they're looking for hope and excitement for the future. And that's a legitimate hope. That's a legitimate desire. That's a legitimate thing. But jumping at the first exciting thing that may come your way, it may be putting your hope and excitement and energy into something that God never wanted you to get involved in. It's, it's, it's a legitimate need, but trying to meet it in an illegitimate way or with an illegitimate thing that was never supposed to be part of, of your life. If, can I get real personal? Can I get really like in your, in your face for just a moment? Like, it's not as if you can stop me. Like, can I, can I get like really personal for a moment or really in your face or really up in, up in your business? Sometimes you're trying to meet a legitimate need through an illegitimate person. Sometimes you're trying to meet a legitimate need with an illegitimate person, singles. You may be trying to get from someone while you're dating what you didn't get from your parents. You may be trying to get from someone that you're dating what you didn't get from your parents. The love and affirmation and encouragement and, 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 and life-giving words from, from someone that you're dating, what you didn't get from your parents. And what you didn't get from your parents, you may try to suck out of the person that you're, that you're with. And the reason that your relationships keep falling apart may just be that you're trying to get from them what they can't give you and never could give you. And once, until you realize that you may end up in a pattern of really destructive 
relationships that end up in a constant cycle of starts good, starts good, starts good, and then it turns bad, and then it turns bad, turns unhealthy. And until you can acknowledge that, you'll keep trying to get from someone else what, what they cannot and could not give you. Husbands and wives, you may be trying to get from your spouse something that only God can give you. You may be trying to get something from your spouse, something that only God can give you. And you're frustrated because you're trying to get something from them, something out of them. Get them to give you something that only God can give you. And if you're trying to get from your spouse what only God can give you, it, it, it produces friction with you and your spouse, and it produces friction between you and God because you're going to the wrong source. Let me talk to husbands and wives one more time. This is why a work flirt or having a work wife or a work husband is more dangerous than you think. You may be getting something from them that you're only supposed to get from your actual spouse. This is what it looks like to try to meet a legitimate need for companionship, for friendship, for, for affirmation, for love, for hope for the future in an illegitimate way or from an illegitimate person. So how do we fight this temptation? Here's a simple phrase. Here's a simple phrase I want to teach you, much like I taught you the phrase last week. Here's the simple phrase for this week. Here's what we say to temptation. I can trust God to close the gap. I can trust God to close the gap. I can trust God to close the gap between what I desire and what I'm experiencing. I can trust God to close the gap between my loneliness and the community that he created me for. I can trust that God has a plan to meet my legitimate needs in legitimate ways. I can trust God to close the gap through his provision, and I can trust God to close the gap with his presence. I can trust God to close the gap. Maybe, matter of fact, can we say this or maybe type this in the chat all together right now? I can trust God to close the gap. I can trust God to close the gap. Paul wrote about, about how God closes the gap in his letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, he says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Meaning every temptation we face is common. Paul understood that because the New Testament church understood that the, the temptations that we have are not unique. They are common to mankind. He says, and God is faithful. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God closes the gap. God closes the gap. God never leaves the gap so wide that you can't endure. God gives you a way out from the gap so that you can discover him and his strength and his provision and that he is the legitimate source for every need that he has created in you. You can trust God to close the gap. He's faithful to do it. He'll see you through it when temptation comes calling. And that's the good news. God closes the gap. And you can trust God. In the face of temptation, you can trust God and I can trust God to close the gap. So what do we say to temptation? No, temptation, I'm not, I'm not going with you. I can trust God to close the gap. When I have a legitimate need, I'm not going to meet it in an illegitimate way. I'm not going to try to find it in an illegitimate person. I'm simply going to trust God that God can and God will and God wants to close the gap between what I'm experiencing and what I actually feel I need. I can trust God to close the gap. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for this example for, from Jesus that he shows us how to break the power of sin in our life. Thank you for the story from Jesus. Thank you for the story from the, the, the history of the nation of Israel that shows us that we can trust you to meet our every need, to be our legitimate source. 
And God, I simply pray that we would have wisdom to know what to do with what we've just heard and the courage to stand up and face temptation and actually put this into practice. God, help us to trust that you will close the gap. Help us to trust that we don't have to prove we belong when we belong to you. Help us to trust in that, that we don't have to prove ourselves to anyone. We don't have to prove ourselves to, to anything. We don't have to prove ourselves to people who don't have our, ultimately don't care about us or have our best in mind. But God, we can, but, we've, but we, you say we belong. And God, when we belong to you, that you are our source. You are the legitimate source for every legitimate need. And we can trust you that you can and that you will close the gaps in our lives. So God, help us to do that. Help us to do that in our, on our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday lives. Help us to do that every single day to trust that you can and that you will close the gaps in our lives. We love you. We place our trust in you. We want to follow you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.